morning and welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I'm Ben Slowey and uh, I'm joined uh, today by a composer, a teacher, plays in a lot of projects. Uh, he's got his own label um, called The Garden of uh, Silence and Sound. Um, he plays in a lot of projects, including Strangelander, Matchstick, uh, Invocation Trio um, with De La Buena, a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to talk about all of it, but uh, I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, our stream, why he does what he does. Uh, thank you, Steve Heplin, for joining me today. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing, man. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Chilling. Just had a cup of coffee. Yeah. I've uh, you? I've had two cups of coffee already. Uh, All right. So I'm wired. Uh, now I'm moving on to the bubbly. Um, I always have to be drinking something. I'm a very like, very like liquid oriented person. I don't know. It, it's like an, I don't know if it's like an oral fixation or something. I don't know. But um, always got to have some, something to sip on. Yeah. Yeah, I've always got a cup of something here on the on the workbench, safe away from the computer after having dumped water on it last semester. And uh, let's not talk about that anymore. Dear, damn. Well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a little colder out today. I know the temperature dropped. It's going to be cold today and tomorrow. But uh, I'm glad we're at least getting a lot more sun these days. I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, so, Steve, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, um, yeah, uh, we met uh, out on the music scene. Um, I think the first time we actually like spoke was when I interviewed you and your bandmates uh, after Dinosaur Rocket, another one of your bands played Company Brewing uh, about a year and a half ago or so. Um, but yeah, we, we've covered, uh, I covered the Invocation Trio record that came out last year on Breaking and Entering. I know you're, you're very collaborative. You've played with a lot of musicians. Um, and we'll definitely talk about everything that you got going on now. But first, uh, let's take it back a bit. So, Steve, are you from Milwaukee? Yeah, I, I wasn't born in Milwaukee, but I, you know, I grew up in Milwaukee. Um, I was born in Long Beach, California, and then my um during the uh, Vietnam War, my dad was in Vietnam. So after that, my parents um, came back here and I grew up on the north side of Milwaukee. Sure, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about like when you were younger, uh, when music sort of, how it became a creative outlet for yourself, you know, how did it all start? Well, I, I live in my great grandparents' house in a little town called Helenville, it's way out in the country. And I, sh I, you know, being a primarily, a, I guess, a jazz guitar player type guy, it's really not, I thought it wasn't a very practical decision, but it's turned out to be pretty practical. Now, um, my grandmother, uh, you know, lived here after my great grandparents, yeah, she, they bought the house and she was a professional musician. She was an organist and she went off to college in UWM in Milwaukee and got her degree in music. And it always reminded me that it's doable to be a professional musician. I mean, my grandmother did it. How innocuous is that? I mean, so, I, you know, I, 
I saw what my dad was doing, working in a factory, coming home, feeling pretty, uh, pretty burnt out and upset. And I, I, I talked to my grandmother, how, how is it being, being a musician? She's like, oh, it's, it's great. I love it. It pays the bills. Yeah. I didn't realize how, how she was really scraping by, but she was happy, you know, and she, she really made it work for her whole, her whole life. So that's, that's the beginning of music for me. Sure. Um, yeah, great. Uh, yeah. So what did you get started with? Like, what were your first instruments? <clears throat> Drums. Um, I bought a Muppet drum set at a rummage sale. Nice. I used to cut brass for a living and, uh, it had animal on the, on the, on the drum head. And I, I, I put a custom drum head on there. I had a band called Celestial Trip when I was 10. There was no band, but it was in my head. And the uh, uh, basement flooded. I came home one day. The drums were gone. And um, I didn't, I didn't experience, I didn't have a rational reaction to it. I kind of lost, lost my stuff a little bit. And uh, I was so sad about it. And finally, I learned that the, the basement flooded completely. And so I, I didn't have drums for a long time. And then I started to play trumpet, played trumpet through high school. Um, if I would have ever heard of Miles Davis during that time, I think I would have been on a different path, but I never did. So I, I got into guitar at some point when I had a knee surgery and I started playing guitar and I discovered uh, Iron Maiden. Oh, yes. And that kind of changed, that changed a lot for me. Yeah. A lot of uh, trajectory shifts over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and that's my whole arc, man. I'm very, um, supposedly my friends, music, my musical associates and friends always say I'm musically unpredictable. And um, I, I guess I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's a good way to be. Definitely. Um yeah, uh, how would you come to uh, infiltrate the Milwaukee music scene? Uh, yeah, what were your first like bands? In uh, ninth grade, eighth grade, we moved to Menominee Falls, and um, I started writing writing songs. And I, I was pretty much surrounded by cats that wanted to play heavy metal, so that's what I feel like I had to work with. So. Um, I started writing all these metal tunes. I had a band called Talisman and I wrote, I don't know, maybe 35 tunes with that band and we played all the time. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was very barbaric. I was with my level of technique and my singing was, was pretty, pretty awful, but, but the tunes were cool. I, I thought the tunes, I still like the songs and I was surprised that I could, could think um, artistically at my um, low uh, low level of uh, sophistication, let's say. And so uh, after high school, I heard about MATC's music program and I heard about Jack Russell, the phenomenal guitar player um, and teacher. So I went to MATC um, and s sort of uh, had another trajectory shift there once I heard the music of John Coltrane. Oh, yeah. uh, it, pulled, it pulled me in. Uh, and, and I realized that I had no chance of being Jimmy Page anymore because now I was addicted to this super obscure um, art form that's really not revered in the United States like it is in Europe or Japan. So jazz, jazz was a huge thing for me. And then I went to Berklee College of Music after that. And then I had another shift and I studied classical composition 
went there for two years and uh, graduated in 96 and um, played with a band out there. Um, before that, I played with a band here called Symphony X, not the Symphony X that's famous, an obscure Symphony X. The other band, Symphony X, contacted me and asked me if it was cool to use the name, and I, I said no, and they used it anyway. So I didn't have any power. They trademarked it. And yeah. I went to uh, Berklee College of Music, and I had a band out there called Black Wolf Orchestra and another band called Marrow. And then I got an offer to teach at MATC. So I came back here and I've been teaching there for 20 years in the music department. And I teach at Lawrence University as well. I'm the uh, jazz guitar instructor up there. And uh, so um, just hanging around Milwaukee, I decided to you know try to be a legit jazz musician. So I go and sit in with Berkeley Fudge. I go sit in with Victor Soward. I, I was around all the time, sitting in, getting my ass kicked and uh, playing jazz gigs for a living for eventually for a while and uh, you know just running into all these um, amazing people in this amazing music scene which you know people really always try to either vilify or glorify their respective scene and I, I'm all about glorifying Milwaukee it's it's um it's kind of a ridiculous hotbed of talent and amazing people as you know Sure do know. Uh, it's a gold mine, um, and it's worth embracing, definitely. Um, I, yeah, it continues to amaze me every day. Um, <clears throat> and you've got a, a long day of uh, lessons uh, after this interview, right? I do. I do. Today is the first day of the second uh, of the third term at Lawrence Lawrence University. Yeah, mad, mad respect to that. Um, yeah, so um, I guess uh, I'd love to start getting into some of the projects you play with today. So what would you say is like the longest running one that you're still playing with? Uh, the one you've been involved with most or longest? I would say uh, resoundingly Invocation Trio. Um, we met at Berkeley and... Uh, Ryan Hawk, the alto sax player, and Jimmy Keene, the drummer, uh, who's from Verwoka, Wisconsin. Uh, we all graduated from Berkeley, and while we were still going to Berkeley, we lived in a, a place in Everett, Massachusetts, together, and we would go upstairs and jam. And we started re we record everything we do because it's all just one take, composed and conceived from a word or an idea. So we have a massive catalog of. Of, uh, of tunes archived. We, we only have seven records out, but we've probably got, uh, I think we have like 97 recordings now. I'm trying to keep track. And so that band's been around. And we're never, we're always going to be around as long as all three of us are alive. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and so uh, the last record, you guys, the one that came out last year, what was that one called again? Golden Drock. Yes. Okay. You want to talk a little bit about uh, yeah. what that one did? Well, okay. So that one was inspired by the uh, the ale, Golden Drock Ale, which has been around since like 1500. And, uh, but it's uh, sort of a, the first record that we did where I used bass pedals. I hooked up a 20 key Hammond bass pedal rig to a synthesizer. And uh, normally it's just guitar, sax, and drums. And so 
that's that's the first one where I had freedom to play on top of a bass frequency instead of keeping the bass going on the guitar. Um, as far as the, uh, the, the the music, we 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 come up with a list of titles or a concept record, and then we talk about the story only. We never discuss one iota of musical ephemera. It's always here's the story hit the red button and then we play some stuff and it always sounds strangely like there's a tune there with that band so it's you know maybe because we we all went to the same school we lived together and we're all like we're all like dear brothers you know yeah so that's oh, yeah. that's the arc of that band not a practical band we're never going to open up for beyonce you know <laughs> damn nothing like that <laughs> bummer <Yeah. laughs> um yeah i'm actually going to pull up uh I'm pulling up my what exactly I said about this record on that write-up. Uh, so the pieces were inspired by Norse, Slavic, Native American, and English mythologies. Uh, this record will make you want to slay a dragon and then drink an ale after. That's what I said. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I might go do that later today, actually. Um, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Thanks. There are a lot of dragons to slay right now. Too, too many. Um, in terms of like the last year, you know, obviously things are kind of uh, strange with uh, the pandemic and with quarantine. So uh, do you guys get to like virtually play it all or like practice? I mean, well, Invo never, never really practices. And in fact, Jimmy, the drummer, who graduated from Berkeley with a uh, you know degree in percussion um, doesn't really play drums anymore other than Invocation Trio and he's just still an unstoppable beast and Brian Hawk is a film composer in Los Angeles and he's reached a new level of success he's doing great in fact um, Invocation Trio appears in a film called Reason um, and also we found one of our old records for sale on Amazon for $900. So that's the extent of our success thus far in our innocent little project. It's, it's just a labor of love, really, that band. Pretty astounding. No delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's really cool. Aside um, from slaying dragons and drinking vast quantities of ale, that's the extent of our delusional grandeur. Yeah, well, uh, I'll meet you there um yeah uh that's that's grand uh fantastic um tell me about uh strange lander um i know you guys are working on some new stuff uh yeah uh yeah it's all you that record yeah okay so strange lander is that band is um it's uh very special to me it's got six of my favorite people in it it's a it's a small orchestra our first record was kind of a nice little miracle. Um, I, I wrote the record in a little over a week. We recorded all the music live in less than three hours. And then Amanda Huff came in and sang after the record, after the music was done, she came in and uh, I, I believe it was one of her first um, studio experiences. She came in and just Kyle White and I uh, were there and she just blew us away. And then, um, and then I did some post-production work on it, put the record out and had, you know, an unusual amount of success as, you know, a jazz guy. I'm not really 
uh, used to that. I'm not used to uh, all those people showing up and, and hanging out. Sometimes at Company Brewing, we'd go on at 1.15 a.m. and there's still 150 people there. And that was, for me, a big deal. And uh, our last show was Chill on the Hill. And, you know, we had a pretty good crowd and it was a really nice a really nice time but as far as the the music is concerned it's all it's uh the strangelander is um it's an epic saga and it takes place on a world called Thraya. and uh the story is expanding greatly uh james murphy the fantastic musician and comic artist is um authoring and penning a graphic novel with me called strangelander saga volume one there's an epic poem that's going to come out with some of his artwork. And uh, there's, there really, I think there are only going to be three records with Strangelander. There's, you know, Strangelander 1 happens. Strangelander 2 is going to be called The Star and the Lantern. I don't know the name of the third one, but each one's going to be larger than the, the last. The second record I've been writing for about four years, and it's a 13-piece chamber orchestra. Lots of strings, French horns, harp. Um, it's really epic and I'm, I'm proud of it. I don't, I don't like to sling the word. I don't, I don't get proud very often, but I'm very proud of this music and I'm very excited about it. That's um, very terrific. And the third, thanks man. And the third record's gonna be a uh, most likely uh, full symphony for, for the band, oh, man. which is what my degree, my degree at Berkeley was um, orchestral composition is the, the main thing that I studied there. And, I've been working on it for a long time and I'm starting to realize how much I don't know about it. So I've been studying uh, a lot of teaching orchestration at MATC now. I've got new classes, orchestration one and two, which uh, afford me the time and energy to really go deep on that subject. And Strangelander is, is the, uh, will bear the fruit of that work, I hope. Yeah. Wow, that is splendid. Uh, I'm very much, uh, Looking forward to what you, you what you guys have in store. Um, yeah, and big shout out to Amanda Hoff. You know she's absolutely incredible, both like as a person and uh, as a fixture in the music scene. Um, can't get enough of what she's doing. Um, but it sounds like uh, you are um, uh, very like uh, inspired um, by a lot of um, like folklore and like uh sort of fantasy imagery it seems yeah um yeah i definitely have always been interested in the fantastic and fantasy and sci-fi and mythologies i've always been you know as a kid dungeons and dragons came along and you know it was invented in wisconsin and i thought yeah man i'm gonna give me some of that so you know, I used to play D&D all the time as a kid, and um, I guess that that same uh, ethos and pathos is still driving driving the bus. Yeah, yeah. But stories, you know, stories are all we have in the end. That's all we have. That's all that's left. So right. I want to tell some stories and um, a lot of metaphorical stuff going on there. Of course, a lot of uh, you know, myself in the stories it's unavoidable try not to do that but that's ultimately what happens yeah you're painting entire worlds you know and and realms with uh, this music and this art so i mean that's 
That's awesome. I, I love a lot of that stuff too. I actually just interviewed a guy who's really into D and D recently. I've, I've been thinking about giving it a try sometime. I feel like I'd like it. I had a conversation once at, um, what's now strange land. It used to be something else. Allium with, uh, two friends of mine, one, um, who was, uh, from Iran, uh, who was talking about the virtues of backgammon and another friend who was talking about the superiority of chess. And I said, well, I've got a, a game that's better than both of those. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. And you can play chess or backgammon inside that game. So take that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah. That's, man, that's killer. Um, yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, awesome. So uh, so you, you guys are, you're, you're working on the second part right now, um, correct? The, the second Strange Land. Yeah. Yeah, and we're doing it more like a rock record where um, people are uh, recording their parts individually and sending them to me. Um, we're also uh, uh, recording at my friend Miko's place, um, who's a fantastic engineer. He did Atlas Obscura, and it's like the best sounding thing I've ever been involved yeah. in. And I'm really excited to keep working with Miko. Uh, and... Uh, I'm buying a lot of gear, you know, I'm, I'm upgrading my, my digital presence here and my, my, you know, the microphone, I just picked this up. And so we're going to do it that way. And, um, but I'm also working on a record right now with, uh, I don't want to shift gears too much, but Dinosaur Rocket is, is pretty close to finishing our debut album in, in, um, in a different way. We recorded it all together and now we're, we're going in and, fine tuning and overdubbing some other stuff with, you know, Jesse Montillo, uh, Jenna Radis and, and Jack Reed. Shout out all three of them. Geo. Yeah. 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 Actually. Yeah. That, that is a good segue. I'd love to hear more about the origins of that band. Like, you know, where it came from. Well, Jesse Montillo is one of the baddest cats in the land. He is basically the heir of Pharaoh Sanders the fantastic sax player. Jesse comes from a deep lineage of uh, studying and playing with Joe Bonner. He's played, uh, you know, with, with a lot of super heavy jazz cats. And uh, he's an alto saxophonist who came back to Milwaukee a couple of years ago. And as soon as he came back, he lifted up the whole music scene and um, asked me if I want to start a band. And I said, yeah. And so we put together, he put together Dinosaur Rocket and named the band. And um, I got so excited, I wrote a bunch of tunes and um, everybody contributed to the tunes. And, you know, we would just play at Dino's and we had a residency at the Jazz Estate for five, five Fridays. And we didn't really have, we had like maybe five tunes that we could play. And that band is um, sort of um, deep soul, heavy blues, hard rock. Tommy Antony coined the phrase grunge bop. Which I love. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's like, good. Uh, so, you know, Jesse's um, an unbelievable person and musician. And Jenna Radis is a great guitar player. She plays bass in that band. Yeah. And Jack Reed, you probably know all about Jack Reed. He's all over the place, playing with everybody. Fantastic drummer. So, yeah, we're really excited. We've got an album cover by my friend Oliver Benson, who is one of the greatest painters I've ever seen. Uh, I'm so excited about that record which will we're going to try to get it done within by the end of the summer we're going to try to get it done 
you know, I um I started quit singing for about a decade. I, I was I was always the lead singer of every band I was in, and then I started writing these lyrics that were kind of kind of dark and effed up, and I, I I just decided to cut it off at the head, so I stopped singing. Yeah. And uh, I I feel I feel different now. I feel like I'm in a good place, and it's really fun singing again. It's um, cathartic and so much more rewarding than just playing guitar. When we played at the Jazz Estate, I think we came at it a little hard. A lot of uh, a lot of jazzers kind of kind of had a problem with with you know us coming out and opening up with manic depression with fuzz you know and <laughs> really hitting hard and yeah 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 well it's a fun project for sure yeah totally i bet it is um hell yeah uh great so then uh let's hear a little bit about matchstick well matchstick is mitch shiner's brainchild the uh fantastic vibraphonist and drummer and uh, it's got Tommy Antonick on guitar. Uh, used to have Match, Max Bowen on guitar, um, Nick Lang on drums. And if you put um, the original band members' names together, uh, Max, Mitch, Steve, and Nick, you get Matchstick. And so we recorded our second record last year in uh, two days, and it's a, an epic um, fusion masterpiece composed by Mitch and Tommy. And, um, I'm really sort of a, you know, I'm just, I'm a base six player in there. I'm just holding down the fort pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty fantastic record. Almost done. Awesome. Great. Uh, were you guys, um, were you guys like also playing out too pre COVID? Um, yeah, we, we played a, a lot of shows with Matchstick, um, usually mostly on the material of the first record and a few tunes from the second. We made a live record at the Jazz Estate. And uh, post pre-COVID, I had over 190 gigs that year. And I kind of burnt out on it. You know, I, I was constantly driving, constantly working on repertoire from from a lot of different bands. I was a, a collective, I think 14 different bands I was playing with for a while. And COVID really kind of, this whole period showed me that it's, uh, it requires a lot of time to to be a composer, which is always my, has always been my main thing. I mean, this is just a, this is just a drill or a tool on the architectural site. Okay, it's not the main thing. So I'm, I'm kind of changing my ways now and I'm gonna play a lot less mm -hmm. you're gonna you're kind of um trimming a little bit it sounds like yeah i'm trimming a lot <laughs> yeah well we got uh so you're playing with uh de la buena as well with uh dave wake a uh, big shout out to him he was here uh last week i believe yeah 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 i interviewed him last week um he was in his uh, little office um <laughs> Uh, he's a really, really nice guy, um, and I love De La Buena. So, uh, yeah, how did you get in cahoots with them? Well, um, I love Dave very much. He's one of my dearest friends. Dave's the keyboard player in Strange Lander as well. And uh, I guess I met Dave through Jeremy Kuzniar and Matt Turner and uh, Jesse Sheehan and all the cats from the old Static Chicken. 
Um, yeah. I did a I did a couple sub gigs for this uh, back in back in the old days at the Jazz Estate with the Static Chicken, and um, somehow I met Dave through through Jeremy Kuzniar, who's a drummer of Strangelander as well. And uh, um, I've always been interested in Afro-Cuban music, and uh, I I lived in San Juan, Puerto Rico for six months working on ships, and got really interested in playing. Uh, salsa and uh, you know um, other related genres and when I had the opportunity to play with Dave um, I think we just hit it off right away and um, I, I'm really into playing Montunos and it's not a, it's not a very common thing for guitar players around here in the Midwest so I think that might have had something to do with why we hit it off musically so well but um yeah, Dave. Dave booked me for a show with uh, Howard Levy at the Jazz Estate, the famous accordionist with uh, Bela Fleck, and we did that show, and we've just been playing together ever since. Um, I'm not the guitar player in the in the big band generally of De La Buena, the full orchestra. I gen generally play with the sextet or quintet. Sometimes it's also known as the Dave Wake quintet, sextet, or or. Uh, De La Buena small band so um but that's been I've been playing with them for a long time now I don't even know um when we when we started that when I started playing with that band but you know Dave is a fantastic composer uh a, a super handy person too he came out here and showed me how to hang drywall and yeah. uh, we just had a great time doing yeah. that and uh He's a real renaissance man, and I'm lucky to have him in Strangelander. He brings mysterious power to the band. He's the only one in the band that has sort of no rules. Everybody else has a, either a melody or a or a, a, har, a counter, counter line to follow. But, but Dave is like the free safety of the football team. You can yeah. just go and just do whatever you want. And he yeah. does, and it's always strange and beautiful. Absolutely, yeah. Love that. Uh, yeah, I walked into Company Brewing one time and he was doing, I think he was like building a tables or something. I don't know. He was doing something like that. But yeah, he is handy. Uh, does a lot of that. So then uh, what else? Uh, got Neil Davis Trio or that, right? Yeah. Neil Davis Duo. Duo. So it's just a guitar duo. duo. Yeah, it's really a practical situation when you get two guitar players because um, it's only two. And the money goes a little farther. And Neil Davis is a fantastic guitar player and friend. And we've been playing together for, I guess, maybe 11 years. I saw him playing with Melvin Ryan, Wes Montgomery's organist. And he was absolutely lighting it up. And I approached him about doing some guitar duo stuff. And he said, yes. And we've been, he's been booking the duo. He's fantastic at, at, uh, announcing the tunes, uh, keeping the audience engaged, and booking the hell out of that duo. We played a gig last week um, for Heinzel Kuzman's um, Sherman Griffin Jazz Club with uh, uh, Sam Belton. That's gonna gonna happen soon. So we kind of did a little promo gig for that. Um, do you guys have uh, recordings out at all? or You know, it's we have so many recordings, but we haven't really congealed them into a solid organized product but we we were just talking about doing that so that's coming up too cool 
a lot of a lot of plotting is going on right now uh yeah finishing stuff is hard for me starting stuff is so easy yeah but um yeah i'm hell-bent on finishing all all of these things and and minimizing the the projects that i work with for sure i, I don't want to spread myself too thin anymore everything i release i want it to be sort of a heavy blow yeah and organized totally yeah um sweet uh and you also do some work with amanda hoff outside of strangelander you were saying uh right <clears throat> yeah um yeah her band uh played a lot before covid we played a lot of gigs and um, a lot of the same uh cats from strangelander are in that band in fact she called it amanda huff and the strange boys and that was a really fun experience um playing with um you know michael ritter on bass pat reinholds on cello fantastic musicians jeremy kuzniar on drums um and of course aaron gardner introduced me to amanda huff and if you don't know about aaron gardner aaron gardner is one of the best sax players in the world and an amazing flautist as well and just that's another person that i consider to be you know my brother and he has introduced me to a lot of the musicians from the scene as well since he was in the chicken he is in the chicken now the erotic adventures of the static chicken in case you haven't heard about that amazing funk band i love the chicken um, yeah chicken. i mean um, I saw the chicken at the Cooperage, and that's chicken that's coop. chicken coop. That was a great venue for uh, for the chickens to go crazy. Um, that was a blast. I yeah, those are the shows that I can't wait to see again. Uh, you know, post COVID, like a year into that. So, uh, am I missing any projects now, uh, or is that pretty much everything you're doing now? Well, I also um, made a record with uh, Carlos Adamas and uh, John Simons. John Simons and I went to high school together, and I've always wanted to be in a band with him. Fantastic bass player. And Carlos Adamas wrote all the tunes on the record. And uh, it's a really great trio record. We um, played some gigs. Uh, we headlined the uh, Latin Jazz Festival in Chicago one night, and that we drove down there, and that was a fantastic gig. So I... Um, yeah, I get to work with Carlos and, and John, and I haven't been talking with them for the last month or so, but I'm sure that's going to be a thing. I'm, sh I'm sure we're going to keep doing that. Yeah, there's so many projects. I work, work with Dan Schneck um, and Jeremy Kuzniar in an organ trio, and I play with uh, Dan Trudell and Jeremy Kuzniar. We, we've done some. We're talking about doing an organ trio where we play the planets, Gustav Holst, Oh, planets cool. like Mars, bringer of war and and Venus. And we did Leia's theme when Carrie Fisher died. We're going to do sort of a space organ trio with that band. So um, that's a that's a here and there thing. It's not like a steady jobbing thing. Yeah. But yeah, there's exactly. so many projects that I'm neglecting to mention. Uh, working with Kelly Fitzsimmons on her VUCA project, which is uh, that's going really well. And that's a huge endeavor with a very long cast of great musicians. And Amanda's on that one as well. Um, yeah, there's, there are so many things that, um, so many things going on and they're all really, I'm really lucky. I feel really lucky. Yeah. 
yeah, that, that is a real blessing. Uh, there's a great cast uh, that is definitely like uh, all kind of fall in tandem with one another. A lot of musicians playing each other's projects and uh, yeah, it's like you mentioned Jeremy like so many times there. <laughs> uh, so I imagine, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of chemistry that builds over time from yeah, he might be the secret ingredient. If you notice, Jeremy has been in almost every really successful band out of Milwaukee, like Citizen King, uh, Kings Go Forth, De La Buena, um, you know, The Chicken, uh, Greyhounds. And Jeremy has has always been sort of very humble and even self-effacing drummer, but he's so fantastic. He, he knows what to do. He's not, he's not about like running down court and slamming the ball. You know, he's a team player, but he's got chops too. And um, on the, the Atlas Obscura recording from Strangelander, you, you, you see him at full power and it's really, it's terrifying. And beautiful. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shout out to Jeremy. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. wicked. That is wicked. Um, yeah, man. Uh, and you want to talk a little bit about just sort of the, um, just sort of the premise of the Garden of, of uh, Silence and Sound there, your label? Well, um, I've always been inspired by John Zorn, the New York eclectic composer who has made um, over 400 records. You know, he's he's involved in so much music. He gets up every day at, 9 a, at 8 a.m. and composes from 9 to noon, takes a break from 12 to 1 and composes until five. It's like a job for him. It's a, he's inspired, he stays on even if he doesn't want to do it and the muses show up. So I've always been inspired by John Zorn as a model um, for a composer. And the Garden of Silence and Sound is really just a humble way of organizing a bunch of disparate projects and also a place for me to just put band camp records of other people that I care about on there. So it's I don't have any giant A and R aspirations with this. I I don't I'm not going to work on choreography or you know photo shoots or any of that stuff. This is just a place to to put finished records and maybe help out in my own small way. Yeah, it's a passion project, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Uh... Well, uh, I'll be tagging a lot of links to a lot of stuff in this uh, in this uh, description here for this one. Um, yeah, Steve, you're you know uh, you're a man of the trade. I uh, um, obviously like uh, you live and breathe what you do, and uh, I'm I love talking to people that are like that. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we could uh, sit down and discuss your various projects and what you have uh, in store. Um, yeah, it was a great time. I can't wait to see uh, uh, many more of your projects in the future. You know, we shows are uh, on the horizon, hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Thanks, Ben. It's um, it's really great that you're doing this. That you're tirelessly pounding the pavement and helping us out like this. So, kudos to you, and thank you very much for your your effort and your kindness. I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah course thank you um so on our way out uh i ask everyone the same two things uh the first one the first question is 
Uh, Steve, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Yeah. Um, I guess reflecting on my mistakes and coming up with solutions to prevent them. Uh, worrying about my loved ones. You know, uh, parents are getting a little older and I'm, I want to want to be there for them and I want to be there for my, my family and um, yeah. that kind of stuff keeps me up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps me also up. melodies that melodies and harmonies that are unresolved things that I'm, I'm chewing on music all the time and I yeah. uh, can't shut it off. Truly. I can't shut it off. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, on the other hand, what puts you to sleep? fatigue <laughs> yeah i work every night i work until i'm done i work until i can't work anymore i like to stay up late composing and recording and practicing and then i just just can't do it anymore and then i just go to sleep yeah the other night i uh i fell asleep on adobe premiere uh editing a podcast and uh I woke up and like the clip was like it had finished going through like it was all the way to the end. I'm like, oh shit, I I need to finish this in the morning. <laughs> that happens sometimes. I think there's one more project I'm going to try to get going. Um, my my wife Emily is a fantastic piano player who sometimes writes music, and when she does, it's astounding. So I'm I'm going to try to do something with her music as well. Maybe we're gonna have a little duo as well so we'll see we'll see what she thinks about that awesome stay tuned yes right uh well yes we'll we'll be watching for that uh thank you again steve for uh being on the show appreciate it thanks ben thanks ben take care you bet uh for everyone watching uh i'll be tagging off steve's projects here you know what to do thanks for watching mr nice guy we'll see you next time Thank you.